Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast. This is all about choice, and I have invited my friend Lee to come and talk with us about the choices. The choice to be a parent, the choice to adopt out, the choice to prevent pregnancy, the choice to have an abortion, etc. Yeah, sexual choices. Hi, Lee. Hi, Lindsay. (laughs) Thanks for coming to talk to me. Thanks for having me. Want to have some fun? Yes. I mean, it might not feel good the entire time because, um, you know, it's a complicated topic that has not always been full of liberation, but I want to have fun with you. (laughs) I haven't seen you in so long. It has been a long time. And we've known each other for a really long time. So we have like all these, this fondness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, what do you think the audience should know about you? Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I'm mom. I have two daughters. Uh, one is five and one is 10 months old. Um, they came from your womb. They came from my body. Yeah. And, um, they're pretty cool. I'm married, uh, and I'm married to their father. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Little Lee details. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure it will sprinkle them throughout. Okay. Yeah. Anything in particular you want to ask me? I'm, I mean, for the audience, just stay curious. I think that as we go through the conversation, maybe things will come up. I'm thinking of a bunch of reasons for myself that inspire me to want to talk to you in particular on this topic. Yeah. I'm um, curious about that. You are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not obvious to you? No. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Why you would want to talk to me about choice? Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. 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 I'll break it down for you. <laughs> okay, then I'll okay. help you out. Okay. So we met when you were what, what like 18, 17? We saw each other when okay. you were seventeen. You had like long dreads. Okay. So I was probably if I still had dreadlocks, I was probably sixteen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you were living on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Like, duh. I lived a very sheltered childhood. I think my parents didn't, you know, want me at home anymore. So it was a a mutual agreement, understanding. Yeah. 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 It caused too much trouble and I couldn't follow rules and um, it was easier. Yeah. So we lived in adjacent apartments. Mine had a spiral staircase. Did yours have a spiral staircase? Oh, okay. So for some reason, I'm blocking this whole portion of our relationship. relationship we, well, we, out. Our relationship hadn't really started. Then. Okay, but you knew who I was then. Yes. Did we, did we meet? Uh, we saw Official? each other. Okay. You had a lot of comers and goers. There, there was, I was a comer and goer, I think. Oh, okay. Because I didn't live there exactly. My, my friend lived there with her boyfriend and I would sleep on their back porch sometimes and I would clean their house mm-hmm. so that I could stay there. Um, justify staying there for free rent. And then sometimes I would also sleep in a, a hallway on Front Street in an apartment building okay. that belonged to then later became my friends. Okay. Um, but yeah, so and there was a, a spiral staircase in that apartment as well. Mm, spiral staircase. Like the selling mm, point of that right? apartment. I just love them. Okay. And yes. And then yeah. we met again. And then we met again. This this I remember specifically. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I should say I taught you sex ed. Yeah. 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 In 
in rehab. Yes. Right? That you <laughs> yes. I'm going to let you rehab. disclose how much okay. you want. Okay. And I'll just, Great. Yeah. And you taught me and mostly, you know, under the age of 15 year olds sex education. Yes. I was the only like legally declared adult in that rehab. Facility yeah. I think you were 18. I think I was 18. It was 2006. Yeah, yeah. It's 18. So you were in an inpatient treatment program and I would come in, I don't remember, I think it was like three times a week for two hours each day. And I, it was called the Youth Survival Program. And we talked about healthy relationships and condoms and HIV prevention. It's a very foggy memory. I, I honestly, I remember more what came after that and how our relationship blossomed after that than actually. I think you contacted me there. Okay. and you came to volunteer at the nonprofit where I worked at uh, Missoula AIDS Council. Missoula AIDS Council. Okay. I think. I don't think that I volunteered there. I think we made contact somehow because you wanted me to speak at your class about um, my experience with drugs and alcohol and particularly how teachers could. Oh, right. Because I was teaching child and adolescent health issues before I was teaching human sexuality. Yeah, and how teachers could be of use or um, give effective advice to kids, you know, struggling with drugs and alcohol. Okay. I want to say that's the first time we had like an official date and then we became friends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You helped me um, get into my Mm -hmm. first house that I bought. I don't I have like that. memories Gosh. of us playing in the yard. Cool. And then you would come to speak to my human sexuality class. I came once. I remember once specifically about choice, right? Yes. I spoke about my experience with abortion. And, yes. And I think more than once. Took questions. Okay. Okay. You were like my go-to person. Cool. I blacked them out. Okay. No, this is how my memory worked. I'm an open book, Lindsay. I love it. At some point you gave me this bus. Should I bust. call you doctor? No. Okay. You de- you don't demand that people call you doctor because no. you're a doctor. I you were a doctor at like 24. Yeah, I right. Y- Sorry, is this 27, about me? 25, 25. Me? Okay, but yeah, we can talk about us. Cool, me, yeah. anything, whatever you want to talk about. It's very impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah, so I can call you Doctor Doe, but I I like calling you Lindsay. Too, yeah, that's okay. That's my name. Great. Okay, so at some point, I acquired this bust from you, mm-hmm. which if anybody has seen Sexplanations, the YouTube channel, a lot of the sets incorporated it because yeah. it's this really colorful, beautiful piece, yeah. which I have for you. So yeah. you can take home with you if you decide you want it okay. or I'll mail it to someone or whatever. Cool. I'm going to live in an RV. It's very small. Maybe we'll wait. We'll wait like 10 years and then I'll, you know, I'll put it up on eBay as like the Sexplanations bust and I'll make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then be able to buy my family a house. <laughs> yes, do that. <laughs> my plans. Yes. Uh, Send your chosen uh, 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 children to college. <laughs> That's how you do it. Exactly. Um, I yes. think college won't be, I don't know. I have my own feelings about that, but. Me too. Okay. Okay. So. So yeah, the bust. The, the story of the bust is interesting because I was not pregnant. I was posing as pregnant because I have this ability to, you know, use my stomach muscles and make a nice, you know, belly. Yeah, belly. You said you ate cereal or something. I can't remember what I did, but I definitely just had to hold that form while my friend applied cold plaster, paper and yeah. plaster to my body. And then we let it dry and she cut it off of me. And it was weeks later that I found out I was pregnant for the first time. 
Yes. What was, was that like? like? In that month or few months. Again, the time log. I can't say that any of this is, you That's know, okay. fact. It's more of like a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Remember. Okay. Remember. Yeah. So what was that like finding out that you were pregnant after you did an art piece for yeah. wasn't it teen pregnancy? Yep. Prevention. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was a nut. It was a friend's art project. And when she was done with the bust, she gave it to me. And I think I did all the decoupage on that. It's beautiful. My husband hates decoupage. I used to decoupage stuff in our house. He'd be like, stop decoupaging. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what was it like? It was terrifying. It was horrible. I didn't want to tell anyone. And fortunately, I had a sexual partner at that time. My only real like boyfriend um, that I actually cared about and I felt really safe with him and I felt safe with his family. And um, so that's why I told I told him and his and his mom and she was you know, the best you could expect someone to be just open to talking about whatever and or, and, or just listening. Mm. And she had just great um, advice for me and, and kind of set in motion how to be advised, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and there was no pressure to make a decision that was made her feel comfortable ethically or morally. It was just totally about me and um, and my and my partner was the same it was he took himself completely out of the equation. And that was um, really lucky. I don't think many people have that experience. And um, so all of my fear and anxiety was met with all of this love and openness. And um, I did later tell my dad and. Um, and then later told my mom that I think some, like a good amount of time had gone by and it really, it it was, um, you know, all of the things I think it's not fresh at all for me. So, um, you know, I, I assume I felt stupid about maybe misusing my birth control or not remembering if I had, you know, when you do something wrong, sometimes you just assume you've done everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Or like when something like this happens, you, you just kind of, I, I was just kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what, what went wrong. Cause I was on birth control mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, I just, I was like, I clearly made a mistake. <laughs> something happened. So yeah. yeah, we do some blaming victim blaming of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think I sign on for that. It's easy to sign on for that role, you know, <clears throat> but, it, but it's not a nice role when it, it can kind of wash in all other aspects of our life and, um, and be really not useful, you know, because I think we are, we can be empowered people and we can, and we can still make mistakes and those two things can live together. So that's, you know, what I'm learning about right now. So they got out of your way. They, they allowed it to be your choice. Yeah. And you did. I uh, knew exactly what to do. Oh, you did? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I knew I did not want to have a baby. Mm-hmm. I was a sophomore in high school and I was in no way. I just knew absolutely hundred percent. I'm not ready to have a baby. I'm not ready to be pregnant. I don't even know what that is. You know, I didn't even know what that is. I don't even, I hardly know my way around my own body. You know, I Mm -hmm. certainly don't know what to do with someone else's body. And yeah, I just, it felt really clear. It felt like there was just no other option on the table for me. 
So I, I can imagine that's probably different for people too. You know, maybe, maybe some people feel like it's a murkier stew to wade through. Yeah. Um, but it felt really obvious to me that um, an abortion was the best option. And that's yeah. when you had a medical abortion? Surgical. I had a surgical abortion. Yeah. And that they did a local and global anesthetic because I was scared. I remember meeting with the nurse and, and local was an option. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to feel the anything. Mm-hmm. So they did a local and global anesthetic. And I remember coming to in a room with other women. You know, you're like in a There's no privacy when you're go through that experience. And it's different with the medical as an option. Um but yeah, I remember coming to like just uh, coming to in in this room with strange strangers who had just gone through this you know kind of life altering event, and though it felt clear, it you know to be clear, it was not um, like uh, emotionless mm-hmm. or without feeling or without lots of um, pondering and thinking about the implications. Um, but definitely that, that victim mentality, I think seeps over into just feeling like, like your life is just happening to you. And that's part of being young. I think part of, um, you know, that's being, part between, of being old, it does. I feel that too. But like part of being between the ages of 12 and 17, like life is just happening to you and like you have no control over it. And that is, mm. you know, I think also part of where I was at in my life and, and developing a relationship to substance and, you know, just really escaping my, my world and my parents and, you know, my family life not living up to my expectations or, you know, not just not getting enough information, which was really what lacked at home. Like I had a lot of information, but it was, um, it was edited to sell me on a standpoint of my mom, how she felt about my dad and vice versa. And and nothing was really coming at me just clean. Mm. So I think that was at the beginning of that. And it just felt like I was just, so I wasn't totally ready to take full responsibility. You know, I just felt like, just felt young. Your brain can't take in all this information all at once. But I definitely pondered it and I had feelings about it. And I sometimes regretted and felt like I should have more feelings than I do. And, you know, you question everything about yourself when you go through big changes and yeah it was intense yeah yeah it was intense but I was so lucky and I knew it then that I really you know had surrounded myself with good I just had good people who were looking out for me so and how was the recovery um I think pretty quick yeah like a week of feeling you know an extreme period mode yeah yeah menstrual situation yeah and sore and kind of just sensitive. I think more than anything, just felt like um, raw, like emotionally and psychologically. Yeah. Bigger things than one young person should think about. <laughs> or, or that's what it felt like. It felt like opening a door to a world I didn't really know existed or, yeah. But in doing that, um, I think that that experience has given you something to share with others. And that's, I, I don't know, when I remember you speaking to the human sexuality class it was such a big deal to have somebody openly talk about abortion. This was what, 15 years ago? Yeah, probably close to 13. Cause I, it's been 2006 is when I got out of rehab in February, April. And then I think I spoke that whole next year at your class. So still 2006. And then 2007. So yeah, what's the date? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So 12, 12 years ago. But yeah. 
Um, isn't that crazy? But that's, you know, people don't talk about it. People don't talk about lots of things that happen all the time. And, you know, I've learned more about that becoming a mother. Yeah, how's that? What people don't talk about or don't do to support families and moms and dads. And really, like, there's a lot of voids in our societal structures that allow people in families to just kind of fall in these, like, lost zones where they don't get taken care of, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge contributing factor to lots of problems we face today. Just you mess with the foundation of people's lives and you cause a lot of problems that are easily preventable. Yeah. Just having access to like safe places to change your baby in public restaurants and public places that, um, You know, you would think, oh, Missoula's got that covered. We don't. We don't have that covered. Nope. We're a really progressive liberal town, but we have a lot of things to work on Mm -hmm. all the time. And I don't think, I think people tolerate more than they have to. Burdens, you know, tolerate those things, just walking around with these all by ourselves. Yeah. Well, if we don't have the knowledge, it's hard to know what to push against. Yeah. Right. Like if we feel that this is how the world works, absolutely, it's happening to me, then it's hard to know um, how to get change. Right. And we're tired. We're tired. We're so tired. And we're also so fortunate to even be thinking about this. The only reason I can think about this and talk about this with you is because I ate breakfast. You know, otherwise I'd be scratching your face off. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We are really privileged. Yeah. Yeah. You you get to make yes. the choice about yeah. whether or not to have an abortion. And you get to make the choice to have access to birth control, yeah. even if it didn't work right. or it does now. And, right. and you get to choose to have children and to do that in a way that was safe for you. Yeah. Privileges, so many privileges. Yeah. And I think this word privilege gets caught. It gets um it can tend to trample hardship that even though you feel privileged doesn't mean you don't also experience pain, right? right? And that these choices aren't still hard, right? Omnivore's mm. Dilemma, right? That What's we Omnivore's have, Dilemma? This, well, it's a book, but this <laughs> idea that we have all this choice and that it it's actually, you know, I don't think humans have evolved to have to deal with making choices about what we eat, mm. right? So it's a privilege, but it also ha- comes with its own challenges. Uh, now all this time and energy and resources are going to deciding when, you know, maybe if we only had a potato, we'd just eat the freaking potato and we'd spend all that energy, time and resources deciding something else. Finding the potato. <laughs> right, exactly. But that... um You know, I think people get scared of this word privilege for this reason that our intellect wants to make things black and white Mm. and it's, it's fluid. There's some room for multiple things to be happening at the same time. And I am saying this out loud because (laughs) I need to hear it and I need to remember that I am a whole person. And that means that I can be feeling sad about something and also know that it is the right choice for me. That those two things can go together. And I am the one who has to live with that forever. Like as long as my brain is remembering. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So will you tell me about the choice to be a mom? Yeah. It was not instant. Maybe it was instant. 
It felt very instant for my husband, my partner, and we felt very instant when we finally made contact, I like to say. (laughs) (laughs) I had stalked him. Oh, dear. (laughs) No, I had tracked him down at a local pub. I don't drink. I was sober at the time and still don't drink. And, um, And now I'm totally clean and sober for three years. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and, uh, but I would go study, I would study at the place I knew where he was. And I finally talked him into coming over to my house for a date and he never left. And we just joke that we're still on our first date. Oh, <laughs> he was oh. like, don't do that here. The tissues are down there. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I think we knew right away that we were just such a good fit. And, um, and there was just no question about our, ability to be totally honest with each other about everything. And, um, and that came with some, some price, some cost. Uh, and in that first year we worked through a lot of stuff and then we, we just got cozy and comfortable in in lots of ways that could be, you know, interpreted as healthy and not healthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was just like, you know, up top, just whenever you're ready, just so you know, like I'm ready to have kids. And he is 11 years older than me. And I was like, in no way am I ready to have kids. And, uh, I was in the heart of my dance department program in school and, and, um, and working hard on that and, uh, just couldn't foresee wanting kids Mm -hmm. at any point. Um, and I hadn't, I didn't really contemplate, I hadn't really contemplated it. Um, I just, because I didn't want to do that alone. And, but now I had this person who was pretty cool and I, I, I really liked him. And, but there's a lot I had to get to know his family and he comes from a big family. So he, he was imagining like, we just have like a litter of children. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> that hurts my the, vagina. Um, I, let me tell you though, <laughs> after one, he was like, yeah, totally. That whole idea was like, we're good. I think we're good at just one. So Aww. that all went, you know, out the window after the reality of one child is like, it's so huge. And, um, yeah, you can't like, you can't take like the world's largest telescope and peer into that future. You just can't, you, you only know when your boots are on the ground and you're figuring it out (laughs) faced with that, um, challenge. So yeah, it was, uh, you know, a couple years after I finished school and we were living in New York and I was going to beauty school because the dance thing turned out that I didn't really want to hustle the way dancers in cities have to hustle and um, and that I like spending time with my friends and family also. <laughs> Giving them scalp massages. Yeah, it's doing other things yeah. than just the one thing. So I um, and my friends had a baby while we were in New York and watching her go through her pregnancy and and. Um, I, I felt like I kind of took a vicarious ride on their trip. And um, and I also just finished beauty school when she had her baby and she had gotten back into some acting stuff. And so I was there. I was there to help and be um, childcare lady. Mm. And I held that baby sleeping on my chest so many times. And I just fell in love with that feeling. And I, felt, I just thought like this 
yeah, I want to do this. If I feel this much love about someone else's baby, like, yeah, I want to have, I want to have a baby. You chose. Yeah, totally. And so in that, in that way, it was in an instant. Like, I just really love that feel, that feeling of like some little body. What I don't, what I didn't know, and I realized that occurred to me just recently, which now I have two babies and they're growing is that you don't have babies. You have people like whole fucking people. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) And that is the, I just can't spend too much time thinking about it because it scares me in every way. The risk is so huge. It's so huge because you open up your heart to this thing and you can lose it and you don't know and you can get lost in it and you just don't know. This is no guarantees. So yeah, you have to sign on with a little bit of blinders, I think. And you just do because mm-hmm. that's what, you know, you can't know something to experience it. So, so yeah, we went in blind and happy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, we moved back to Missoula and I, we had, we had quit smoking in a staggered fashion. My husband quit smoking, um, uh, I don't know, a few months before our friends had a baby. And then I quit smoking right before they had a baby. And, um, the plan was that, yeah, I just didn't want to be dealing with like pregnancy hormones and quitting smoking at the same time. So we successfully quit smoking, which we still both don't smoke. It's pretty amazing. And, um, and we, I took out birth control and I came back, um, to Missoula and we tried and two months later I was pregnant. Just like that. That's crazy. You're fertile. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So, um, and I had an awesome pregnancy with my first. It was amazing. I loved being pregnant. I loved having the excuse that no one around me could take anything personally and that I could eat whatever I wanted. (laughs) And I totally did. I, I ate so much cake at this kid's birthday party and it was like a, like a five-year-old's birthday party. And, um, at one point my husband said, no more cake for cankles. (laughs) And I didn't beat him up, which was cool. Yes. No, we, um, we had a great time. I just, uh, I had a lot of fun imagining this little person and, and then she came out. Yeah. And she's amazing. She's She's just like you. She's really scary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's super cool. And then you chose to do it again. We chose to do it again. It took a little convincing um, my husband to do it again. And we definitely wanted to wait a little, have a little time, you know, for Franny to be grown and understand what that meant to, you know, have welcome another little person into our family. And we were grateful for some time to like establish our family and, um, and get our feet under us a little bit. Mm. And so, um, we did that and, and yeah, we had our second little girl last December. So she'll be one coming up here. She's already walking and she's just so sweet and we're definitely done. (laughs) Yeah, definitely done. So choosing to be done. How are you choosing to be done? Well, celibacy is really easy after you've been through pregnancy and (laughs) postpartum hormones and... I don't know. We're just not having sex, really. So abstinence. Abstinence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the choice. I want abstinence to be a choice. When people talk about it like, this is what you do, right. that is removing the choice. If you don't have a second or third or fourth or fifth option, it's not actually a choice. Right. So yeah, if you want to choose abstinence, by all means. 
Yeah, I mean, I want, yeah, we're just really lazy and tired, and lazy is a poor choice of word. There's this YouTube channel called Explanations. <laughs> what? They have videos. That's crazy. That help people with their sex lives. I feel like you have an inside scoop. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. Okay. I know. And I'm getting around to it very slowly. I am doing a lot of self-pleasuring and that feels so important because I really lost my way around this body. Yeah. It goes through so much change. And then they just, I had two C-sections and you know, if it were like a hundred years ago, I would have been that lady who labored for like seven days and never let her babies out. And we both just perished or I suffer from like some brutal attempt at a C-section and like my baby survived and I would have just died. So the only reason I am here with two babies is because I had successful C-sections, but that is crazy hard on the body and hi puppy. And, um, and does a lot as far as sensitivity, just in the abdominal region, Lena. you know, kind of this numbness mm-hmm. and also just a disconnect psychologically between my upper half, my brain and my genitals. So and yeah, your upper body and your lower body are different or something. I mean, I am incredibly attracted to my husband. I think he is a hottie patati mm-hmm. and um, we have talked a lot about it and we talk a lot about our hangups with, in, uh, initiating and being clear about what we want. And I think I spent a lot of years doing things for other people, um, because it's easy to please people. Mm-hmm. And, um, my way around my body is a little more complicated and I don't think I ever really took time or was given permission. Not that you need permission, but it's helpful. Yeah have permission by culture to ask for what is required and by way of foreplay or um, just being really specific, being comfortable talking about specifically what works. And I guess, um, you know, some part of that makes me feel sad. And so anytime we've had this time to get close, it, it brings up a lot of these emotions about like, wow, I really missed out. I'm being clear about what feels good because I thought it was just complicated lady stuff and we don't need to talk about it or, or it's just too much. So (laughs) don't worry, you know, and I don't think that that's uncommon at all. I think it's such a prevalent part of our, the inner workings of many relationships. And I can only speak, you know, personally for my, you know, my male partner and, and me. I don't know how other people have relationships. I just know that I was not encouraged to practice being clear about what I need. And so um, I think, you know, masturbation has been huge in helping me just establish a relationship with what that even looks like. And, and my partner feels totally okay. Me excluding him from that relationship for now. Get it. Get it. Get it. Yeah. That's awesome. And we have, we, you know, we share, we talk a lot. We talk a lot. So I feel like our intimacy is, um, covered and I'm, you know, I try and be honest without taking things out on him and yeah, we might at some point need some help to get some common dialogue so we don't hurt each other's feelings through this experience, you Mm -hmm. know? as I reassert or decide what my needs are and, and actually stand up for them. You know, I think that that it's a two tiered or multi-tiered experience. So 
I don't feel like I'm missing anything right now, but I know that we're on the precipice of some need for a vasectomy for sure. That would be cool. And he's agreed. That would be great. Yeah. That's also another, like, what a privilege to just <laughs> turn that off. Yeah. Because oh, birth control is a whole, a whole other journey. What other uh, methods have you used? I used the NuvaRing for six years mm-hmm. and um, maybe even a few years longer than that. Yeah. And then there was all sorts of discoveries made about the NuvaRing and it's, I don't know, is it, I don't know what they've learned about the dangers of that, but it just seems like there's always something, something. coming out. So, and then after my first daughter, I was, I had the copper IUD hmm. and yeah. And that was crazy. I thought like, do I, how do I have this much blood in my body? I thought I was going to die every period. I was like, this is insane. Wow. Um, and that might be postpartum stuff too. It seemed to balance out like after a year. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of information. I love it. I mean, one of the things I do want to know is um, if you're open to talking about your experience with other forms of abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So post first pregnancy, I had two other pregnancies, one um, uh, under the age of 18 and one after I got out of rehab and was clean and sober. And those, and those were both um, medical abortions. So surgical you did was the first one. That was a DNC. Yep. They like vacuum the contents out. Yep. Boom. Then the second two, because I remember from class you saying that there were some hardships to that where if you were to do a fourth or whatever, yeah, recommend it to someone, you would recommend surgical versus... Yeah, I think just being in the care of medical professionals, There's there was something really that provided some security. If any questions or things happened, it seemed like... Um, it seemed like medical was something I went and did by myself. And it felt really like if I didn't have a, ooh, and it takes place over the course of a couple of days where you might be passing clots for that entire week. And it's can, it was scary. I remember feeling really alone and um, without support or knowledge of what was easy. Maybe I could have reached out, but you know, when I think <laughs> I struggle reaching out, I should say, I struggle reaching out when I'm in peril mm-hmm. or when I'm in need of mm-hmm. comfort. So you they go, you go in, they determine you are this pregnant. Right. And then they'll give you, are you 48, 486 or some other pill? Right. I think pills, it, and then you take them. Yeah. I want to say it's a set of pills. So one happens there and one happens 24 hours later or something. And you essentially discharge yep. everything on your own. I could be home. giving wrong information because it's been many years so well and hopefully there have been medical advances yeah although knowing how hard people work to prevent abortions in this country who knows yeah i don't know um so you did it again though you did another medical i did it again i can't remember why such is life yeah and that and uh you know that last one was a was a really an example of a not a very responsible partner and i was pretty explicit with that person about how they made me feel good i was given the opportunity later to meet with with them and tell them in future <laughs> in dealings with other women or other partners this is how your actions made me feel and you should know that yeah and he was very unpleasant you- yeah he was receptive nice. i can't say i left feeling like warm 
feelings about that person, but yeah, that's okay. amicable. Yeah. You did it to speak your piece for you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you chose some birth control. You chose to have some abortions when that didn't work for you. Yeah. You chose to have babies. Yeah. And now you're choosing abstinence and potentially more birth control. Yeah. Okay. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. All those choices. What would you like the audience to know about their own choices? I think we care far too much about what other people think that said, we influence each other. Um, and there are certain people whose advice and counsel is important to us. And I think we can take all that stuff in and still, you know, follow our own truth, whatever that is for us. So, um, yeah, I like it. I don't know. It's a personal pathless land. As my husband says, yeah. Right. It's lovely wandering it with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really great getting to know you over the years. You too. You're a consistently special and awesome human. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. And I really like what you do. I love your show and I have seen it. So don't (laughs) be telling me this stuff about where I can get some good sex life on track. I mean, we're on a track. Yeah. No, no, no. And you know that. Yes. Yeah. I know you're not saying that. That's what I, that's what the voice inside my head (laughs) is echoing back that you're saying. Yeah. There's a whole circus up in here. The itty bitty shitty committee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like (laughs) what you have going on in your head. I think that it's really powerful to evaluate what you need in a moment and to have flexibility and to say, okay, society wants me to behave in this way or to think these things. And I get to choose for myself. And I, I love, love, love your sentiment about knowing what's right for you. And that's still causing sadness. And the, the eradication of sadness does not is it, it's an, Ameri- right it's an American <laughs> design. I think we don't, that's not a right to not be sad, to not ever feel feelings that are uncomfortable. That's insanity. <laughs> My, the bulk of my relationship with my kids, myself, my partner, my family is uncomfortable. The sooner I can have less needs to eradicate uncomfortability, the more serene I get to be. So I would like to just be less needy, (laughs) right? Like need less comfortability because that's just not life. It's not reality. So, you know, are we going to have fun, Lindsay, Dr. Doe? Hell yeah. I have fun. But we're having fun. We're going to have, I know we're going to, I have had a lot of fun, but this isn't something that I choose to talk about every day. Right. Right. It's important. It's important to be uncomfortable. It's important to be uncomfortable with our fellow human beings because that's where we all live the majority of the time. So to not do that together is a total shame. That leaves us very limited options, escapism and codependence and these things that ultimately lead to loneliness, isolation, depression, suicide. I mean, that's awful. So let's be uncomfortable together. Yeah. And be honest. And those are the, I mean, it's funny. Those things are funny. We get to laugh and and cry and yeah. Want to do kegels? (sighs) Yeah, let's do some kegels. (laughs) Main squeeze, squeeze it good. (laughs) Perfect segue.
Do you have a certain kind that you do? Um, no, I don't think I know what I'm doing. I'm just, I just doing them. You're just doing them. You didn't get any counsel, like post or pre childbirth. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you something else that's missing from the postpartum land of you know leaving a hospital with a new baby. Yeah, any information about you, just mm. as a mom or a person who pushed or delivered or is holding a new baby, how that will affect your body. So anyway, yeah, no, they don't talk about massaging your C-section scar. You learn about that later when your scar is like hard rock in your abdomen. And anyway, sorry. Get mad. It's good. (laughs) And your surgeon is taking extra time, your second C-section to remove scar tissue that has built up. Yeah. No, people don't talk about that stuff until you, until it's a problem, right? That's our problem. We're like, oh, those don't go long. And then, and then they cause problems. You do that. So, so no, unfortunately, no baby dropped like into my, I don't open. My cervix did not dilate. Mm. I spent 50 hours in labor with Franny and I dilated to a five. Mm. So like they just never descend fully. And so pelvic floor stuff was not, is not an issue for me, which is great. Well, okay. It's a benefit. Their pelvic floor is so tight. It doesn't let anything out. I know. Right. That doesn't sound right. But <laughs> I, I mean, mean, that doesn't sound like a benefit. <laughs> what I mean is that I don't have issues like in the in the opposite way. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also it doesn't work like that. Your cervix is different, but cervix is different. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do kegels. Let's do kegels. <laughs> what, that, what kind of kegels are your know favorite? What we're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Let's do kegels. What are your favorite kind of kegels? I have been working a lot on relaxing my PCs. Oh, cool. So rather than clenching, because I think I that, that so much of my tension happens in my vagina, like yeah. something bad or scary happens in my vagina. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. It I'm with like you. Strangles itself. Yeah. And so because, right, like you have said, we spend most of our time in a state of discomfort. That is my vagina. It's yeah. just like, we're good. We're tight. We're good. We're mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, they're brains. They're little brains. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've been trying to do kegels where I'm pushing down and out and like relaxing. Okay. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I imagine it kind of like a mothership descending and getting really close to the ground. And then all the steam comes out the sides and that's like the, the push energy coming out. Yeah. But it never, I don't push my vagina out of my actual body. So the mothership never actually lands. It just hovers. It's like, just hangs. Are you doing it right now? Yeah. Do you hold it or do you relax and then? It depends. I try to do kegels differently for every podcast and mix it up because I'm the personality type where doing routine things bores the crap out of me. I hate it so much. Like dishes are so hard. Kind of know this about you. Yes. Laundry. Laundry I like. Do you like putting laundry away? No. Yeah. (laughs) Like putting it in and pressing the button. (laughs) Right? Yep. No one does. Yeah. Okay. So let's just do some hovercraft landings. Yeah. Mothership landings. Okay. Um... Do you find you have to be in a certain seated position for this? Probably. Like versus like kicked back. How I am kinda? with like this dog on my lap and my legs up and crossed. Yeah. Okay. I, I will sit properly. Okay. I'm going to equalize my butt bones and put my feet flat on the ground. Okay. Take a deep breath. 
I'm channeling the mothership from space. It is coming down through the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> it's descending through my spine all the way down. It's at the top of my hips. Now it's at the bottom of my pelvis. And it's just going to rest there. And I'm going to push and send the steam out or whatever that is. What, you yeah. Know, it's just an effect. And then the... the talking about a sci-fi movie, right? Yeah. 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 And then that, like... Uh, suction tunnel whatever it is yeah i'm still pushing yeah. but gently i'm hovering yeah. and then the the Aliens tubes that goes where they yeah have landed and, and they, sucks people up they decide to get get the people and get out of here yeah what if vaginas were magnetic they are kind of aren't they yeah kind of they can be <laughs> you and i look like we're in trances right now <laughs> mothership magnets sucking people into our vaginas <laughs> Uh, it sounds like that mythology about the woman who eats people with her vagina. Uh, what is that? Dentata. Yeah. Dentata? Yeah. The, are you talking about the one that has the teeth? The vagina that has the teeth? Maybe not. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of an episode of some crazy sci-fi show I watched. Okay, so now we should put the hovercraft back in. Okay. Or we can just leave it there. Well, yeah, I don't sit like this very often. It's kind of nice. Okay, I'm going to store the hovercraft in a cloud okay. so that it's not going all the way back up because I don't want my vagina to, to be in a state of tension. Yeah. I'm just going to put it in a cloud. So I'm going to put the pubococcygeus muscles, the pe- that pelvic flooring, like yeah. lovely hammock. Back together. Up. Yeah. Put it, put it like about an inch up into my vagina, into a cloud. Yeah. I'm just going to hide there so that, cool. you know, people like, don't shoot at it. Right. But if someone really wants off this planet, you can drop a ladder to them. Yes. Yeah. Genius. Totally. Do a kegel. Yeah. The ladder, yeah. ray or whatever. Yeah. Will come down and it will magnetically it's suck them in. Suck them in. Only, <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, uh. only with you. It's so wonderful. <laughs> You're amazing. Uh, do you Thank have you. any extra credit you want to give the audience? Now you can practice at home. Dr. Doe gives you sex credit. Think about this. I think that uh, what's sticking to my head right now mm-hmm. is um, just this idea of uh, maybe just saying one clear thing to to someone. And it could be a sexual or not sexual partner about a need that you have mm. could be however small or large um and with no expectation about how that will be answered don't think that you can fake that so it should be a time where you feel maybe not emotional <laughs> be attached to the response but that seems like a practice i would like to take away from today being clear about something that i need i don't know if this is a need but i think it's a want for you to know how important you are to my development and how much I have loved growing up with you and having this conversation on record so that I can listen to it later and hear your voice and um, and the beautiful reminders that the discomfort is is good. You know, yeah. Lee is pushing through it. She's making great choices and I am on this pathless place with her. I'm dropping the ladder, guys. Dropping the ladder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a treat. Mm, Good. And Cora and Parle, I'm still learning. 